Are you ready to be a better, more successful, and open-minded trader and investor? I'm Serge Berger, head trader and investment strategist at thestudytrader.com, and I want to help you get there. Whether you've been investing for years or are just getting your feet wet, this podcast will help you cut through the noise and get dialed in on the big picture. We will utilize research, guest interviews, and real-time analysis of the market. We're at a critical juncture in the market where knowledge really will mean power. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Steady Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Serge Berger. And as we are closing out 2022 here and heading into 2023, depending on when you are listening to this, uh, you want us to take a little bit of time today and discuss some of the things that I think are important takeaways from uh, 2002. In many ways, for um, a certain uh, subsector of investors, 2022 was the first uh, sort of ugly year in terms of returns. There's uh, an entire generation of professional investors that have yet to see <laughs> a a bear market, believe it or not. In fact, you know one of the statistics that I like to uh, like to throw around is that if you if you look at the average age on Wall Street, it's uh, it's it's somewhere around the thirty five year uh, uh, mark, and um, if you subtract about 12, 13 years from thirty five, you get to the low twenties. Um, and of course, the bear market, the bull market that we've just had uh, into 2021 that ended uh, now at this point about a year ago um, was about 12, 13 years old. So in other words, lots of these uh, folks on Wall Street, these um, the younger ones have never seen a bear market. And um, that, that can have some important uh, uh, effects in the broader sense. But... If we take a step back into 2023, before we look at some some sort of more close under the uh, under the surface kind of uh, issues, let's address the big picture stuff. As we came into 2020 in January, I remember it well. Everything was good, and uh, and then of course we got hit with uh, with, with the pandemic. And um, that was potentially just the tip of the iceberg. It was just kind of the thing that tipped us over into ultimately a very different uh, era for, for markets. We went through 2020 and 2021 with just an extraordinary amount of, um, of stimulus, both on the fiscal side and on the monetary side. And... Um, what resulted from that was essentially uh, a big spike in inflation. Now, we could make an argument that this uh, modern monetary theory, which is really what um, this unlimited stimulus uh, is kind of rooted in, which is basically the theory that some central bankers um, uh, refer to as, you know, we can prevent print as much money as we, as we want and we have no inflation. And in fact, that worked for a while where they kept printing money and, you know, kept pointing out the lack of inflation. 
Of course, there actually was inflation. It was just in asset prices as opposed to in in things that uh, that we buy. But if we look at this inflation shock that we're having right now and the kind of reverberations it's having through the market is um, is a byproduct of something that isn't just uh, a result of, of COVID. It really is a result of, you know, at least 10, maybe 15 years of, of way too loose uh, monetary policy. And um, while I'm not here to point fingers at individual uh, central bankers, that's really not the point. It's just an observation that I think one needs to be aware of. So with a little bit of perspective that I'd like to draw here, um, let's uh, let's talk a bit more specifically what uh, some of the takeaways are, I think, that a lot of people hopefully learned in 2022. Um, one thing that we learned, and this just goes right back to interest rates, is that interest rates don't stay that low for long, um, for very long, or, or not forever, let me put it that way. In other words, you can have periods of interest rates that are extremely high for a decade, and you can have periods of interest rates where they're extremely low for a decade. But at some point, those moves end. And I think that's something that we had to be reminded of. Because if you look at fixed income, if you look at the bond market, the bond market, if you look at the US Treasury market, has essentially been in a um, uh, in, in a bull market for, uh, let's say, 80, about 40 years almost, <laughs> you know, from early 1980 into 2021. That's 40 years of a bull market. But at some point, these things do end. And I think that's an important lesson for lots of people to, to either learn if they're newer or, or, you know, people to be reminded of if they've been in the markets for some time. And so that issue with zero interest rates is one that I think is why we have likely seen 2022 be the tipping point, the, the switch point where we are now in a different environment. And I think that's the other thing on the other point on, on that point of interest rates that I want to make that I think we learned, or certainly I learned in 2022, is that we are now going to be in a different uh, interest rate regime, which means we are no longer going to have the low interest, but we're going to have somewhat higher rates. Now, I personally don't subscribe to the um, uh, hyperinflation arguments that I hear out there sometimes. Uh, I'm much more in the camp of that this is going to be um, you know, just somewhat higher rates, uh, basically something closer to the you know, 2 to 4% range. Uh, on the 10-year notes over time, uh, but not something that is going to give us, you know, six, seven percent yields. I think that's um those are outlier uh outlier events, always a possibility, but not something I would want to put uh, a uh, a lot of probability around. So the key thing for me here when we when it comes to interest rates also is that I think we need to understand that when we come out of an interest rate environment that we just had, one of the byproducts, um, one that I think everyone was aware of, was that we basically, in 2021 and part of 2020, had a an investing or trading bubble. It was a mania, an absolute mania. If I remember back to the internet bubble, which uh, I was... Uh, I guess, fortunate enough to live through uh, right in the beginning, the very, very early part of my career. I remember uh, 
going down to Wall Street and taking a uh, taking a cab. And uh, and this is, I mean, literally textbook. It's almost it's almost like you know, I, I it's almost like I, I could make this up, but it was literally textbook. And I remember the cab driver asking me about what I thought about um, uh, Yahoo, the stock. You know, and now obviously, you know, you could say, well, that cab driver was down on Wall Street, so clearly he's a bit closer. But you know, nevertheless, if you uh, would have looked at the same sentiment study in 2021, I think one would have come across very similar types uh, of experiences. And, and I can tell you, I did. I mean, I remember talking to um, uh, the, one one day in, in 2021, the one of the trainers at my gym came up to me and I know he nice guy as he is, uh, he just never had any interest in, in markets that probably didn't know anything or much about it at all. But he certainly started talking about it in 2021. And he, and of course what he gravitated to was crypto and non, you know, profitless tech stocks and meme stocks. It's all he ever heard of because it was in the headlines. And so to me, that was a really clear sign that things were probably getting a bit bubbly, uh, if not very bubbly. And, and indeed that turned out to be um, I guess the correct hunch in hindsight. So that's the second thing that I think we learned. We learned that from these extremely low and long, low interest rate policies, almost zero interest rate policies. And of course, some parts of the world, like in Europe, they had negative interest rates. What comes from that is um, at some point is a mania. Because when you, if you think about it from a, from a discounting model, perspective. If you discount your cash flows with a 0% interest rate, I mean, you could assign any valuation to anything. Um, you know, the higher interest rates go, the, the, the less your, your, your cash flows will be um, in, the, in the present value. So the stock market mania was the second thing that I think we learned from. And one of the things that I would encourage everyone to do is kind of look back and, and, you know, maybe early in the new year or throughout the holidays, whenever, you know, whatever you have time, just kind of think about some of the experiences that, that you maybe had in 2021 and heading into 2022, where, I mean, literally less than 12 months ago, 11 months ago, people were still extremely bullish on, on everything. And what are some of the signs, some of the obvious signs that you saw that could have given you a heads up that, you know, wait a minute, things are probably a bit too good to be true. So that's the second thing. I think, you know, the, the mania smell test is what I call it. Again, if you, if your gym teacher or, 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 um, or again, the cab driver starts talking about stocks, that smell test usually, uh, usually works, uh, over time. So those are, those, those are two points. I think another important point is, um, from is that from slow moves come fast moves. And let me repeat this a couple of times. There's a saying in the markets that goes like, that talks about when markets move slow, ultimately they start moving fast. And that may sound like a bit of a redundant statement, but it's actually very true because basically what it's, what it's talking about, it's, it's specifically to what we saw in 2021 heading into 2022 if we look at the average stock in the, uh, let's say, S&P 500, the average stock, um, particularly the high growth stuff, uh, topped actually in, in the spring of 2021. And so then we, we ended up having, even in the S&P 500, we basically had a grind 
uh, from for most of 2021, believe it or not, we had a big rally into the, into May, which is when a lot of the high growth stock stuff basically um, topped out. But then from then into the rest of the year, even though markets were ultimately higher, it was just a big grind with, of a lot of nothingness. And we, I call that a slow move. And then very quickly, as we started heading into 2022, we had uh, three waves of selling, so really quick moves. One move in January, another move in February, and then uh, the, the biggest of those moves in April, uh, May, and into those June, uh, early summer lows that we had. So from from fast moves come slow moves. From slow moves come fast, actually it's vice versa as well, but really I'm talking about from slow moves come fast moves. Is is It's just another saying that sometimes... Uh, it takes time for things to change, particularly when talk about, we talk about sentiment. And that's yet another point I want to talk about. Sentiment, I think it was a, a great example in 2022, how sentiment is very slow to change. And I'm going to give you guys a few examples here, actual empirical you know, evidence and examples of this very uh, point. So if you think about this bull market that we had that, again, ended in 2021 or early 2022, depending on which, which assets you look at, basically what we had was a 12-year risk-on move where volatility was low, buying every dip worked with very little pain. Um, and just, you know, even, even, if, and even if the dip didn't work right away, it was just a matter of waiting it out until, and then it worked out. So sentiment became extremely complacent. And when sentiment becomes that complacent for that long, 12 years, you know, everyone was conditioned to buy the dip. And then on top of that, you throw in a, a pandemic with free money for everyone. I mean, literally, um, sentiment gets to a point where it is very sticky. And that kind of sentiment takes time to change. And to me, that was another... Uh, important takeaway, another important lesson that I was reminded of in 2022. And here are a couple of examples. So when I talk to clients, whether they are on the study trader side, which is our publishing company, our research company, or I talk to our uh, actual investors uh, that we manage money for over at Blue Marlin Advisors, which is our investment advisory firm, our registered investment advisor, the complacency that I heard throughout the summer months and quite frankly throughout the rest of the year even the well well all the way through the end of, of 2022 through december the amount of complacency i i, I continue to hear is is astounding now i'm going to give you a couple of statistics of of maybe why this is so so if i look at something like the the iShares core us aggregate bond etf um that is uh, one of those core etfs that that tracks fixed income. And when I look at that, I can see that uh, for the year, this ETF was down about, again, the year as I'm recording this, the year is actually not just over yet, but you know, certainly well north of 10%, somewhere around down 14, 15%, um, I guess, for the year. Considering how little fixed income allocations most individual investors at home had, due to the very low interest rates for the past 10 years, this wasn't felt all that much. Where it was felt more was in the NASDAQ 100. So if I look at the QQQ ETF, 
for example, and look at what that uh, had done uh, for the year, which is as I'm recording, this is down about 33% for 2022. That's where they felt it more. But why then was the complacency still so sticky? And I think a lot of it has to do with two factors. Number one, a lot of people made a lot of money over the past five to 10 years. So in some of those years, they made 20, 30% in some of these tech ETFs every year for years. So being down 30% one year isn't really, you know, it's like giving up one year's of gains. That's one reason. And I hear that a lot. So the complacency still is there. And it's, and it's another, again, one of the more important lessons that I am, um, that I'm reminded of in, in, in 20, was reminded of in 2022. The other part of that is, again, because of the duration of the bull market we had. The complacency that took place where all you have to do is buy the dip and everything will be fine. And usually people have to almost blow up their portfolio to, um, to get rid of that complacency. It's something that takes time. And so when I talk to investors and I hear them say, oh, my portfolio is down you know, 25%, which is usually, again, a mix of mostly equities and some bonds, um, and I don't really care, I just hold it, I, I'm reminded of that their experience, which basically just means that memories are short, which is my last point that I want to talk about, is that, well, if I just hold it long enough, and I hear this in almost every conversation, if I just hold it long enough, then I'll be fine. And those kinds of complacency statements are, to me, really probably the biggest takeaway, uh, maybe by far, from 2022. Um, sentiment is everywhere, whether it's the cab driver or the gym teacher that I told you about before, uh, or or personal trainer, I should say. <laughs> He's not a gym teacher. Personal trainer, or whether it's you know talking, in our case, we're here at our companies are very are very privileged to be able to speak to lots of investors so we can gauge their sentiment in real life as opposed to having to rely on you know some surveys out there that are being done by a third party but sentiment is everywhere sentiment can be looked at in just you know positioning of or of how investor uh, Advisors are writing the newsletter. There's a whole statistic on that. You know, put the call ratios, all those kinds of things. The VIX, even to some extent, um, sentiment is everywhere. And, and if I if I were to kind of put a bow around what I learned and or was reminded of in 2022, is how important investor sentiment can be. And because as we head into 2023, and as we go through 2023, uh, we are going to be uh, I believe in a very different environment. We are going to believe, be in an environment where the buy and hold strategy that has worked now for so long, for so many years, largely due to a lot of stimulus and lower interest rates for a 40-year period, um, where that was an easier trade to do. Um, but we're now in a different environment. And the environment we're in is much more macro-oriented, macro-economic is, is, is really the term there. And that means that we are going to have to pay a lot more attention to headwinds of very in you know from 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 basically moves uh, by central banks certainly that's always important, um, but also demographics, geo, geopolitics, and I think what's going to happen is we're going to find that an entire 
generation of investors, particularly the ones that were came into the markets just before and through the pandemic, are going to learn that using their favorite eight-day moving average does not make a holistic strategy. Which is just another way of saying that I believe that as we're we've moved into this new environment, and I will talk about that in one of the next podcasts, what this new environment looks like for the next five to ten years, the way we see it right now. I think we're going to have to become more uh, more researched investors and traders, meaning just looking at a chart and saying it's going up or down is not enough. Now we in house have built our own algorithms using something like our market rover, which is our very powerful trend following algorithm. Um, and one doesn't have to, you know, create their own tools necessarily uh, just to 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 get their head around um, around the fact that we're in a new environment. But I think just being open-minded that certain strategies work in certain environments and other strategies work in other environments is an extremely important takeaway for me. And it was a good reminder again in 2022. And I believe if for, for those listeners who may have not done so well in 2022 in terms in the markets and their portfolios, um, it is my sincere hope that not only that these bot- podcasts are helping you, but more specifically to what I just talked about here in this podcast is that we have to remain open-minded and that financial markets can be very difficult and, and tricky to make money in, uh, particularly if we use two, an oversimplification of analysis. Now, I'm also not a proponent of, of saying one has to you know, become a, a rocket scientist and draw who knows how many different analyses to be successful. But I think if we understand the big picture stuff and then apply uh, analysis using reasonable uh, expectations uh, and you know in part of that being able to read sentiment is also important uh, then I think one can do very well but again to me the biggest takeaway for 2022 as we head into 2023 uh, is really just the fact that sentiment matters and sentiment matters in a very big way we saw it once again coming into 2021 uh, it was very clear that we were in a mania what we usually don't know is how quickly does it burst, but we also then were reminded that from these slow moves come fast moves, um, and then uh, ultimately investor memories are very short. You know, uh, lots of people don't remember the 2009 crash or don't want to remember it. So you know, now admitting to being in a position in a stock that they bought at four hundred dollars in October 2021 and it's now at fifty. Um, is really the same problem that they would have had, you know, at the last uh, major downturn in the economy. So 2022 was, I think, a very important year, a year we can learn a lot from. I think it was a pivotal year in terms of how markets are going to move over the next five to 10 years, largely because I think we're in a different interest rate regime. And uh, with that in mind, we are going to uh, head into and through 2023 uh, to see how we can navigate the markets profitably with a new backdrop, potentially a shift that um, we only see take place every 20, 30, 40 years sometimes. So I'm looking forward to 2023. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you in the next Steady Wealth Podcast. (laughs) 